Well, Merry Christmas, Christ Chapel, and I know it doesn't look a lot like Christmas or feel a lot like Christmas, but I'm so glad you've joined the Christ Chapel family for this Christmas Eve worship service. You know, it was my family's tradition when I was growing up to always go to a Christmas Eve worship service together. And then after that service, we would always go to my grandparents, but that was always the part that I didn't look forward to was when my parents announced it's time to go to grandma and grandpa's. And it's not because I didn't like and love my grandma and grandpa. I certainly did. I just did not like what they served for dinner. You see, it was my grandma and grandpa's tradition that every Christmas Eve, they made chicken salad sandwiches. And now I'm not a foodie, but I do not like mayonnaise in any way. And every Christmas Eve, my parents made me choke down a half of a chicken salad sandwich. And publicly, I would just like to say, mom and dad, I do not forgive you. No, I'm I'm just kidding. I, I forgive them. But that was always the announcement that I dreaded. Because when I heard that announcement, my stomach began to turn. But my brother, on the other hand, totally different. My brother loves chicken salad sandwiches. In fact, he is carrying on that tradition with his own family. So tonight I know, hey Cole, that my brother is in College Station, Texas, and he has made chicken salad sandwiches for his family. But it's so funny to me how that same announcement, we're going to grandma and grandpa's house, can solicit two completely different responses. I was disgusted. (laughs) My brother was elated. You know, it reminds me of this message of Christmas, this message that Christ has come into the world. The same announcement can solicit two totally different responses. Some people welcome that message and actually embrace it, and other people spurn it, and and they they reject it. But you know, these aren't new responses to the message of Jesus's birth. These responses go all the way back to the gospel of Matthew. You see, in Matthew chapter two, there had been this great announcement of the Savior's birth. And in fact, this was gonna be a royal baby. And who doesn't love a royal baby? I mean, when a royal baby is born, the world goes crazy. Everybody loves Princess Charlotte and Prince George and all, all the royal family. But this baby being born was not embraced like the world embraces royal babies today. You see, in fact, it solicited two totally different responses. And we see it in Matthew chapter two, verses two and three. These magi from the east, these wise men come looking for Jesus and they go to Jerusalem to King Herod. And they say, where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. They're excited. But when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Same announcement, two totally different responses. The Magi come looking for him, they're excited, they welcome him, they wanna embrace him. But it says that Herod and all of Jerusalem were troubled. And that Greek word troubled means unsettled or anxious. They lose calmness. They don't know what's gonna happen. Now, this was certainly understandable why Herod would have been troubled in his heart. Herod proclaimed himself as king of the Jews. 
but he actually wasn't a Jew in any way. He was an Edomite. He wasn't the real king of the Jews. He had purchased his power from Rome. And this announcement of this royal child being born was a threat to his kingdom. It was a threat to his comfort. It was a threat to his power, his control. So it's understandable why King Herod was troubled in his heart, but it also says that Jerusalem was troubled with him. They were troubled as well. We don't know exactly why Jerusalem would have been troubled. Maybe they thought that with the uncertainty of who would be king, that Herod might retaliate and terrorize them. Maybe he would clamp down on the city. Or maybe they were just unsettled or troubled in their own hearts because they didn't know what this meant. They didn't know what the future would hold. If this arrival of a king would come, would he upset their world? Would he upset their city? Maybe they were just unsettled because things were uncertain. You know, I don't know how you feel about the message that the Christ child has been born, that he came into this world. There are totally different responses. Maybe you, like the Magi, you have come to worship him. You want to embrace him. You're excited to celebrate him. Or maybe you're like Herod. You're comfortable right where you are. You really don't even want to be here. You don't want anybody messing with your life. And this, uh, this news or announcement of the arrival of a king upsets your life. It upsets your heart. Or maybe like Jerusalem, you've come and you, your heart is just unsettled because things in our world are uncertain. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's been the tone of the past few years is just uncertainty. We don't know what the next year will hold. And that causes us trouble or anxiety in our hearts. You know, the the ironic thing is, is that Jesus came into this world so that we wouldn't have troubled hearts. Jesus didn't come to trouble your hearts. He didn't come to bring trouble into your life. He came so that your heart would not be troubled. And I want to tell you how you cannot have a troubled heart because Jesus explicitly tells us he doesn't want us to have troubled hearts. In fact, he tells us how we can have peace in our hearts. And so I wanna look at those three verses that we can take and hold on to so that our hearts aren't troubled this Christmas. And the first one comes from John chapter 14, verse one. And it's simply this, believe in him. In John chapter 14, verse one, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. You see, it's one thing to believe in God. There are a lot of people in our world who believe in God in general, but they have no idea how that abstract concept of God feels about them or how that abstract concept of God interacts in this world. But Jesus put flesh on God. He is God incarnate, the second person of the Trinity. And because he came and he walked among us in our messy lives, we know what he thinks. We know what he would say. We know how he feels about us. You see, you can believe in God, but if you don't believe in Jesus, then you are actually God's enemy. You are in a hostile state toward God. That's what Romans chapter eight, verse seven says. And how can you have hostility in your heart and not be troubled in your heart? 
You've got to be at peace with God. And the only way we can have peace with God is through his son, Jesus Christ, who was sent to this earth to live the sinless life that you and I could never live so that he could die the death he doesn't want us to die and therefore reconcile us, be the prince of peace that reconciled us to a holy God that mediated that relationship, that bridged that gap for us. You see, Jesus came so that you wouldn't have trouble with God, but that you could be at peace with him. And that only comes by believing in the one he sent, Jesus Christ, and that he paid the penalty for your sins on the cross died and then rose again for your sake. Would you believe in him maybe for the first time this Christmas Eve so that your heart's not troubled with God, but it's at peace with God? Some of you, you've believed in him before, but you need to receive his peace. Jesus wants to give you peace so that your heart isn't troubled. He says that in John chapter 14, verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. He says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He doesn't want your heart to be troubled or be afraid, but in order for you to not have a troubled heart, you have to receive his peace. And he says it's different than the peace that the world gives us. You see, the world gives peace that is uh, temporary, that is circumstantial. It, It doesn't last. And that's the peace that we all search for. We think we can find it in experiences, in relationships, in stuff. And it lasts for a little while, but it doesn't last for very long. And Jesus says he came to give us peace that not only transcends all those circumstances, but it actually transcends understanding. In Philippians 4, he says that. And he does that when we give him thanks and we give him our prayer requests. When we, when we pray to him, he gives us that peace that surpasses all understanding. Maybe some of you this Christmas Eve, you just need to receive his peace. You've been looking for peace in all the wrong places and you find it for a little while and it never lasts. And so ultimately you have this constant buzz in your heart of just trouble. He came to bring you peace. Will you receive his peace? Will you go to him for that peace. And then finally, some of you just need to honor him with your life. There's great peace that comes from honoring Christ with all aspects of your life. In fact, the apostle Peter says that to us when he's talking about living a life that is different than this world, that may be persecuted even by this world because you're standing up and living for Jesus. He says, have no fear of them or be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. That when we set our lives apart, to honor him means to dedicate ourselves or set ourselves apart for him when we dedicate our lives to him. There's great peace that comes from that because we know we're in the center of his will, that we're honoring him with everything we have. And if you want examples of that, go back and read. He talks about it right before that in 1 Peter chapter 3. But here's one of the blessings of it that he talks about in that same chapter. He says that when we live lives that honor him, that are set apart, that are dedicated to him, it says the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are always attentive to their prayers. And isn't that that very peaceful to know that his eyes are on the righteous and his ears are always open to your prayers. You always have his guidance. You always have his help. 
you always can call on him. Brings great peace in this world. I know some of you are thinking, Cody, of course you're gonna say that. You're a preacher. This is what you're supposed to say. Yes, personally, I have found peace in these particular ways, but I'm not the only one. And I want you to hear from some real people who have real life struggles, but they found real peace from God. The peace that transcends circumstances, the peace that even sometimes transcends understanding. My name is Ryan McCarthy. My name is Bill Poteet. My name is Lauren Davidson. This part of my story really started about 10 years ago, my sophomore year of high school. Um, I had my very first panic attack. I remember just kind of thinking that was how life was, was always with a racing mind um, and always with like a pretty troubled heart. Um, And that was when I realized that life wasn't really supposed to feel that way. Two Christmases ago, we were in Virginia with family and we all noticed that my wife had a slight lean in her neck. It, It took us a year to find out what the diagnosis was. For a while, I was kind of walking around in a cloud of denial, thinking this is gonna work out like everything else does. Right around the same time that I was getting my first car, my parents surprised me with the uh, announcement that they were getting a divorce. And it was in that same time period that a good friend of mine took me somewhere and shared the gospel with me. He said, you could have peace with God uh, through Jesus. And I, my reaction was, nope, no thank you. I, why would I replace my strict mom with an even stricter God? And so my strategy was, I'm gonna find peace in pleasure. All it did is robbed me of peace. There was no peace. Yeah, I'd see her alone in her room crying from the pain. Um, That's when I began to realize, like, this is gonna be different. My wife's suffering and my isolation uh, really robbed me of my peace. In different seasons of my life, I've really struggled with the in-between because I feel like God had put a message on my heart, a desire in my heart, but I never knew how he was gonna fulfill it. So I would try to fill in the pieces, but the not knowing in between um, God moving really robbed me of my peace. Over this last two year period, I think it's come to a point now where, you know, we're still working through it, but I've seen him in all of this and I've seen that he's good. I wish I could say I had a constant peace with God that, that is like that, but, but what it looks like is, as I submit to the Lord, as I walk with Him, as I, as I seek Him, I experience uh, a blanket of peace and, and, and joy knowing Him. But when I go through seasons and chapters of forgetting Him or just kind of turning away from Him, there's trouble. There's trouble in my relationships. My life is, and my heart is filled with trouble. There's no peace when I'm away from Him. There's no peace apart from Him. The only peace is in Him. I think I'm learning that I can sit in this not knowing of what's gonna happen and just trust that God is gonna give me what I need for each day and He's gonna fill in the fill in the holes and open the doors in His timing. And really His timing, as I look back on the last 10 years, has always been perfect and it has always been um, just better than anything I could have manufactured on my own. His peace is available to you. That's why he came. That's why we call him the Prince of Peace. He came into this world so that your heart wouldn't be troubled. But let me be clear, that doesn't mean that you're not gonna have problems. This world is full of them. 
but we can have peace in this world because we have peace with the one who has overcome this world. In fact, in John chapter 16, Jesus said, I've said these things to you as he taught to his disciples that in me you may have peace. Where is peace found? It's found in him. See, in the world you will have tribulation or you will have trouble, but take heart, take heart. Don't have a trouble, take heart, have courage because I, Jesus, have overcome the world. You know, what a great message this Christmas Eve. We don't just celebrate that Jesus came into this world. We celebrate that Jesus has overcome the world. That means that he is victorious, that he has conquered sin and death, and he has paved the way for us to have a right relationship with God, and he is going to make things right one day where there is no trouble, where there is no tribulation or sorrow. What great peace that brings us, what great hope, but it's only found in him, the one who was sent so that you don't have to have a troubled heart. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that you took the initiative to send your one and only son into this world and that whoever believes in you will not perish but have everlasting life. And Lord, I thank you that you offer us that great gift through your son to not only have eternal everlasting life, but to have abundant life, even amidst a world that has troubles and trials and tribulation because you have overcome the world. Thank you that you give us hope that we can find courage and faith in you. And so Lord, I pray that those who need to believe in you for the first time would believe today. I pray for those who need to receive your peace because they feel unsettled or the uncertainty of this world is weighing on them that they would receive your peace. And for those that need to dedicate themselves to you that they would honor you with their lives and that would provide great peace for them this Christmas and even as they walk into the new year. Lord Jesus, all of this is only possible because of you and for you. And so we worship you and we celebrate you as the one who came, but also the one who's overcome. And it's in that great King's name we pray, amen.